This weekend, Michigan proved that the Big Ten has not one, but two college football playoff caliber teams. It's time to start the campaign to get them both in now. You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Coming up on today's show, we're going to get into the biggest results from over the weekend. A big battle in the West and also in the East in the Big Ten. But the biggest story of the weekend, if you ask me, is that Michigan proved here that they have not just one but two college football playoff teams here in this Big Ten conference and it's time for everyone to start realizing it. It's time to start that campaign. And it's time to say, hey, both Ohio State and Michigan, as long as they can win out, and of course, one of them has to win the game that they play against each other. So if we have an undefeated team and then one loss, other side as well, it's time to start the campaign to say, hey, that resume is going to be good enough this college football season, especially to get yourself in. Both Ohio State and Michigan have proven that they're good enough to play in these big, big games. I think they've both proven on the field that they have the ability to make the case come the time to select the four teams. Everybody else in college football right now, including the biggest of the biggest teams, Georgia has slipped up. Alabama, obviously over the weekend, slipped up and has not looked great throughout the season as well. They're outside of the top five right now. And if the AP poll voters were deciding things, there would be two Big Ten playoff teams here in the college football playoff. Of course, the problem, as always, is that Ohio State and Michigan have to play each other. And whoever loses that game obviously takes a big hit, not only in getting a loss, but then also likely not playing in that Big Ten championship game either. So if you have yourself an undefeated Big Ten champion that's obviously in, can you make the argument that whoever loses the Ohio State-Michigan game, if it's their only loss, can get in without even playing the game in the Indianapolis? Normally, I would say no. But I don't think this is your normal college football season. Right now, the SEC has two teams in the top four, and the Big Ten has the other two. There are other teams that are going to be a factor in this as well. You have teams like... a. a Michigan that has a chance against maybe a other team that's undefeated out of the Big 12, uh, Tennessee and Georgia, you have to worry about. But as things stand right now, I don't think that anybody, unless someone goes undefeated, and you of course have Clemson there that's still undefeated, I think right now people are saying Michigan's a better team as an undefeated team right now. And if Clemson takes a loss at some point, which they easily can, and one of these Big 12 teams takes a loss at some point, which I expect that they will at some point during the season, Michigan could go in there as a one-loss team. I don't know what the resumes of everyone else is going to look like at the end of the season, but I'm saying the way that the first part of this has shaped out, it doesn't seem like there's dominant forces in each of the other conferences to take automatic spots. The ACC is not getting an automatic qualifier here right away. If Clemson goes undefeated and wins the ACC, 
I'd imagine they'd be in over whoever loses that Ohio State-Michigan game. But I still don't think that's going to happen. I don't think we're going to have an undefeated Big 12 winner still. And we've already seen enough losing and enough teams struggling for me to say, hey, Ohio State and Michigan have both played well enough that they both deserve to, if the season were to end right now with how they've played, they both deserve to get in. And if you want to try and shift that tide and be the conference that gets two teams in instead of the SEC as it normally is, then you have to start that conversation right now. Because Michigan just played a top 10 Penn State team, and we'll talk about it in a second here, but played a top 10 Penn State team and made them look like, I mean, the team that didn't belong in the top 25 for most of that second half. We're going to get to that game recap, but Michigan just absolutely dominated areas where Penn State is supposed to be good and beat them in a thorough fashion at the late part of that game. They're, in my opinion, that good of a team. If we're talking about the teams that are at least playoff quality, not just about like who can actually get in with the schedules and who plays who, but just like the teams that are good enough, you put Georgia there, you put Tennessee now there instead of Alabama with the win over the weekend. Ohio State's been there. Clemson's been there. Michigan has to be right there in that conversation. They've been there in the AP polls. But the conversation has always been, well, it'll be whoever wins that Ohio State-Michigan game. Now I'm at a point where I feel like the loser, you have to at least give the respect of saying, hey, as long as nobody else is undefeated, that one-loss Michigan team or one-loss Ohio State team, if it ends up being that way, is good enough to be in that top four. To be that fourth team that gets whatever an at-large bid is going to be in the four-playoff system. So I think Michigan can be that team. I think if you want to convince everyone and get that started up around the country, you have to start talking about it right now. So here I am. Michigan deserves to be in if that scenario gets to at the end of the season. It shouldn't be disqualified just because it isn't playing in the Big Ten championship game. It lost or would have lost to a really good Ohio State or Michigan team and ended up being the only loss on the record. But the way that both these teams have played so far, Michigan maybe had a little bit of a slip up against Maryland, but otherwise has looked really good. Ohio State's dominated everybody. And those two teams have looked good enough for you to say, even if the Big Ten as a whole is down this season, those two teams have been good enough against the good teams now for you to be able to look at it and say, you know what, I can justify giving a Big Ten a second playoff bid. Because it's the one thing that really the Big Ten has not done since the start of this playoff. Yes, it's been a while since there's been a national championship in general. But getting a second playoff team in is something that the Big Ten has never been able to get over the hump of doing. This is a season that can get done. Ohio State and Michigan are both good enough. I think the rest of the Big Ten is all weak enough where they can run the table and just have to worry about each other at the end of the season. And I think the rest of the college football world is also at least not as dominant at the very top to a point where a one-loss Michigan team could end up being stacked up against a bunch of other one-loss teams at the end of the season. And that's where I think things get interesting. So do you put a one-loss Michigan team that's looked really good over, say, a one-loss Clemson team if they lose one game but still win the ACC championship? That's where the argument gets really, really interesting, and we'll see how it ends up going if we get to that point. But what I'm saying is the campaign needs to start now, and I'll be the one to start waving the flag right away. 
this there's two college football playoff teams here in the Big Ten. I know it's been that way in the AP poll, but I'm saying that it's not just a matter of who wins the Ohio State-Michigan game. I think that second team, whoever loses it, should be able to show its resume and say, hey, we've got a chance here too. But I don't know if I believe that everyone else in the country is going to agree with me come the end of the season. We're going to talk more about the Michigan win over Penn State and also about Illinois' win over Minnesota. I said it last week, and I'll stand up with it here now. If Illinois and Illinois did beat Minnesota, they got to be at least the favorites in the Big Ten West with the way the rest of that side of the conference has played out. That's where I got them now. We're going to get into why exactly Illinois was able to do that and everything Michigan did too here in just a second on Locked On Big Ten. First, though, today's show is brought to you by Simply Safe. The numbers don't lie. In the last decade, more than 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe in my home, they protect you with the cutting edge security technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. With 24 7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash college. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash college to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, let's get into more here from over the weekend. Actually start to break down these games. Michigan demolished Penn State in the second half of the matchup with the New Lions, but things were really Wolverines all the way throughout if you were watching the game, which made it really surprising that Penn State actually held the lead in the third quarter here. It was a stat where I think it was Penn State had one first down at one point and was winning the game by multiple possessions, was it early on, or was winning that game at the second quarter. It was one of those crazy Big Ten stats that you see. But the point being that if you were watching from start to finish, Michigan pretty much dominated the whole way. And this was a game where it actually ended up like you talk about where you see a final score and it wasn't quite exactly as the final score indicated, people will say. Like, it wasn't as close as the final score says. Uh, This was a game where, like, it actually balanced itself out by the end because Michigan was dominating, in my opinion, start to finish for the most part. Give Penn State the credit for taking advantage of the opportunities that came its way on individual plays. But Michigan was the better team pretty much throughout. And at the end of the game, you had, of course, Penn State take the 16-14 lead in the third quarter. Or 17-14 it would have been. Anyway, whatever it was. They take that lead and then never score again. You're thinking, okay, even if Michigan ends up winning this game, it's not going to be a game where it's going to be kind of it's going to be one of those games where it wasn't as close as the score said at the at the end this game ended up actually kind of balancing itself out by the end where Michigan scored so many points in that second half where you end up looking and you're seeing the final score up 40 to 17 you're looking at like okay well 41 17 sorry you look at that and you think okay well yeah that actually is a little bit closer to just how off balance this game was 
uh, Michigan ran all over Penn State, which was surprising because the run defense was supposed to be something that Penn State was pretty good at. Uh, final stat lines, it was uh, Blake Corm 166 on 28 carries and a couple of touchdowns. Uh, Donovan Edwards, 173 on 16 carries and two touchdowns. And as a result of that, you didn't end up having to see much from J.J. McCarthy. Uh, I mentioned this was the first big, big game for him to play in front of the hometown fans and with a chance to really prove himself as someone who can lead Michigan to that next step. I think Michigan proved itself. I, again, don't know if we saw exactly the game-breaking stuff from J.J. McCarthy, though, just because we didn't have to. He was good. 17-24, of ended up with, it was 145 yards passing. So Michigan didn't have to rely on him. They didn't rely on him. The run game was perfectly good enough, which was surprising to see. And I would have liked to have just for trying to learn a little bit more, seen a little bit more of what J.J. McCarthy does in a big game moment when he has that kind of pressure put on him. But the run game was there for him the entire way. The offensive line was making it look easy for the running backs, both, again, Edwards and Corm, throughout the game. And their two big back-to-back runs really just shut the door on Penn State. I mean, yes, it was what ended up turning the score in favor of Michigan, but Nittany Lions had nothing after that. After And losing on that fourth down try and then immediately giving up that second score, there was really no more motivation there to get anything going from Penn. And it's just a testament to how good Michigan is. But the fact that they were able to do it while also just attacking Penn State's strength, I think is what's really, really impressive here. Because it wasn't just that Michigan was the better team. Because I think that if they decide, hey, J.J. McCarthy, you're going to throw the ball 40 times here in this game, I think Penn State could have lost to Michigan that way too. But that's not the way it happened. Penn State lost in a way in which its strength looked like a weakness, was a weakness. And that's something that I think puts you on a next level if you're a Michigan team, beating another top 10 team at what they do well consistently throughout the game. So we already talked about how I think Michigan's kind of proving that it deserves to be in that, hey, we deserve to be in the conversation even if there is a loss at the end of our resume, at the end of the year on our resume, kind of like an Ohio State would be. Uh, This is the kind of reason why. It's not just the win. It's the way that they won that game and the way that they were able to beat Penn State at what they do best. Moving over to the other side of the Big Ten, Illinois and Minnesota played a game that I wasn't expecting at the beginning of the season to be any sort of game that had gravity in the Big Ten West. But now all of a sudden, both these teams, with Illinois in the top 25 and Minnesota knocking on the door, had a chance to take control in a Big Ten West that is, again, still very much up for grabs here. And Illinois just did what it does again. And this is another example of Chase Brown just absolutely taking over a game And another example of a team going after another team's strength. I mean, Minnesota's supposed to be a really, really good defense. And Illinois just said, no, 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 you you can make the concerted effort to try and stop Chase Brown. We're going to pound him down your throat until he ends up tallying what ended up being uh, 180 yards on 41 carries. That's insane. For him to be able to do that on that kind of a workload, and I, I mean... 
when you end up breaking it down, it is actually less than like five yards a carry. So maybe you're a little less impressed, but you shouldn't be because that's Big Ten co-offensive player of the week now and not the first time that he's had it and ran all over a Minnesota team that's supposed to be able to beat you or at least compete with you if you even have that kind of a dominant force. Minnesota's defense all around is supposed to be good enough where like even if Chase Brown's going to have a good day, He's not supposed to be able to just run over here all day long like he did. 41 carries for him to get. That's Illinois going in and executing its game plan, but it's also Minnesota not forcing him to do something else. And that's a level of Illinois that I didn't know the Illini had. I knew that this guy, Chase Brown, was good enough to take over a game, and I knew that Illinois was smart enough to know how to use him when it could to win games. But I did not know that this guy was good enough for Illinois to be able to just come into a game, say, hey, we know you're going to go after him, and we're going to make you play it our way anyway. I didn't know that he was that level of good. I didn't know this Illinois team around him was that level of good. Now I am on Team Illinois. I said it before. If they beat the Gophers, that's enough for me to say, okay, I'm bought in, and this team is a legit contender in the West. But they did it. And did it pretty convincingly, and the defense also held Tanner Morgan to virtually nothing. And Mo Ibrahim had a pretty good game for for Minnesota. He had himself 115 yards or something, I think it was, on less than 20 carries. But Minnesota only scored 14 points and really just didn't get, again, enough to keep up with an Illinois team that is looking really, really good right now and is up in the AP polls again to number 18. So... It's an Illinois team that, again, in a wide-open Big Ten West. In other years, when there's better teams in the West, I don't think I'm buying in yet still. But in this Big Ten West year, for this Illinois team to potentially shock the conference and win that side of the or the conference, it's now becoming a very real possibility and a very unexpected big game coming up in four weeks against Purdue, the other team that has only one loss now over in the Big Ten West. That's going to be fun to keep track of. Also going to be fun to keep track of everything going on in the Big Ten and the top 25. We're going to get to that and all the other news from the weekend in the Big Ten as we wrap things up here today on the show. Before that, though, BetOnline is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information, with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's wrap up with all the news from around the Big Ten from the weekend. Starting up, Big Ten Players of the Week from the weekend are in. We mentioned one of them already. Chase Brown out of Illinois, 180 yards, 41 carries. And the first player in college football this season to reach 
a thousand yards. Nice little mark for him. He shares the honors with Aiden O'Connell. He had 391 and four touchdowns in the win over Nebraska that turned into a little bit of a shootout for the Boilermakers. We'll talk more about that tomorrow and the other games from the weekend. Jacoby Windman of MSU is the defensive player of the week. He had 11 tackles and two tackles for loss. Also forced two turnovers that ended up turning into Michigan State scores. And the special teams player of the week is Jake Moody out of Michigan. Four field goals and three PATs. That's, if you count it all up, a 15-point day for him. Big one for him and the Wolverines in the win over Penn State. In other Big Ten sports news, uh, in field hockey, Maryland over the weekend clinched at least a share of the Big Ten field hockey title. It can win the outright title when it plays this weekend. Uh, The Big Ten has announced the season's hockey conference schedule. There will be 23 national broadcasts on BTN, two broadcasts on ESPNU nationally too, and then the rest of the games on the schedule will be on the regional Bally Sports Networks. If you want to, of course, check and see your team's Big Ten schedule, you can go over to BigTen.org and look at all of that. And the Big Ten's in the top 25. Again, Ohio State's number two to go up a spot, I believe. And Michigan's at number four. Penn State slides down to 16 with the loss. Illinois up to 18. Uh, Purdue goes up to 26 with their win, the first spot out of the top 25. So you can expect them to get in if they win this weekend. And then Maryland faces off, or is not in the top 25, but gets in at number 33 if the votes kept coming in. And a new member of the One Vote Club, Minnesota and the Golden Gophers, despite the loss, still get one top 25 vote. So one player or one coach or one media member, geez, thinks that Minnesota is still the number 25 team in the country. Uh, That's all for the Big Ten's news from over the weekend and biggest results from over the weekend on Saturday, of course. We'll talk a little bit more about all the other games tomorrow on the program, as well as talk about anything else that we can get into here on Big Ten News that happens throughout the day today. Until then, I'm Nate Dickinson. You're tuned in to Locked On Big Ten.